0: We have two readings tonight, both from the Old Testament. We're going to read from Psalm 40, and our text is taken from Isaiah 59. So please find Psalm 40, but our text is taken from Isaiah 59. Perhaps I should have left the word how out of our uh, title and just called it God Reaches Out to Save. But I want to start and ask a question. Why preach the gospel in a church like this where the majority of people have made a profession of Christian faith anyway? Is it a waste of time just to carry on preaching the gospel again and again and again? Well, I don't think it is. First of all, our text. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. How is he praised? as we reflect and think upon the greatness of the gospel and the greatness of our god great is the gospel of our glorious god and our opening psalm tonight reflected that from psalm 48 great is the lord and greatly to be praised and why should we praise god we praise him for his grace in the gospel secondly christians sing a hymn called tell me the old old story they like to be reminded of the gospel There's a verse in that hymn, tell me the old, old story, and it's something along these lines. In case my heart grows cold and I get used to the gospel and what it means in the very essence of salvation, so tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And Christians should never tire about hearing of that. Paul said, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16, So we have an obligation to preach the gospel. I think some of the most sobering words, and I've adapted these, I never knew you, and you never knew me. So never take it for granted that people who say they are Christians are really Christians. They must know and love the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves. And how is that accomplished? Through the preaching of the gospel. We give God all the glory. Now I know we don't use this anymore and Joyce Bailey's not here and she'd be nodding furiously now. But there are 23 hymns in grace about salvation and there are 16 about rejoicing in salvation. And we have every reason to sing hymns like that and in our new hymn book because they focus on the grace of God in the um, the hymn books. We don't know who's going to listen to this, so do we? The um, church website. John, how many people have we had on in the past year? I know I'm pouncing on you. Hundreds, perhaps, who listen to sermons from this church all over the world? More than that. More than that. That's excellent. And, of course, Mike Smith isn't here, and his dad's not here, unfortunately. But Mike does his Facebook page, to All Believers. (coughs) And there might be people here tonight, well I know there's one person here tonight, and it's wonderful to see him. We have a new visitor, we never know who's coming to church. We have to preach the gospel again and again and again. The internet's really, really useful when you know a snatch of a hymn and can't think, what's a verse? But this is one of David White's favourite gospels hymns. Thy mercy is more than a match for my heart, which wonders to feel its own hardness depart. Dissolved by thy goodness, I fall to the ground and weep to the praise of the mercy I found. That's the gospel encapsulated. The mercy and grace of God to sinners like you and I. So we preach the gospel in season and out of season. And we don't just do it by tradition or by rote. We do it with feeling. We appeal to people to be reconciled to God. So let's turn to our readings because we're going to preach the gospel again tonight. And our first reading is from Psalm 40. Faith persevering in trial to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. We're going to read the first five verses. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and establish my steps he's put a new song in my mouth praise to our god many will see it in fear and will trust in the lord blessed is that man who makes the lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. And our text is from Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, says the prophet, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy. That it cannot hear. And our text to narrow it right down is the first part of Isaiah 59 verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Salvation is of the Lord. Always has been and always will be. Now we know that we can't save ourselves. We can't feel that we're saved. We must know that we're saved, and saved by the grace of God. But I wonder how you feel. I've mentioned this before. There's a hymn in our hymn books. We've not sung it, but we do sing it. There's a wideness in God's mercy, and some people have a few issues with that hymn. And here's one tiny snatch of that uh, hymn written by Mr. Faber. But we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own. And what we're going to do tonight is simply consider how high can God reach, how low can God reach, and how wide can God reach in the salvation of souls. And if we're a veteran of Orton Park Baptist Church Sunday School, we'll know this chorus. Jesus' love is very wonderful. Jesus' love is very wonderful. Jesus' love is very wonderful, Oh, wonderful love. Go on, Janet, what's the next line? You don't know. You came to Sunday, Jill. It's so high, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get round of it. Jill's smiling. What's the next line? So You're not Jill, she's just <laughs> So wide, you can't get round of it. And that's where people have a problem. Because we are not the final arbiters of salvation. It's his prerogative and his prerogative alone, says one of the hymn writers. God decides who he's going to save, we don't. And that's a problem. Because we have our own ideas on who'd make good Christians. Isaiah says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. So please don't limit me, which is a little bit like this book. We haven't got really an idea. We just scratch the surface, even in a good evangelical church, into the character and the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're really grateful for people like this who can point us in a new direction, a biblical direction, about the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to think along these lines. How high, how low and how wide is the arm of the Lord? Now this is where it gets a bit strange. We're going to reference Willy Wonka. We're going to reference In the Heat of the Night. One of my favourite films. We're going to reference a German word called Schadenfreude. And we're going to reference a problem of morose believers. So... Willy Wonka and his great imagination. If you have seen the latest Christmas films coming out, you'll know that Wonka is one of them. And you will know that Willy Wonka, in the trailer, speaks about... He doesn't use the word imagination, but he's got a wonderful, wonderful dream. He wants to make chocolates and open a chocolate factory, and everybody's against him because there's a chocolate cartel that doesn't like newcomers with weird and wonderful ideas. But it got me thinking about imagination. Which is the result of feelings, sensations and thoughts. And some people have really vivid imaginations. And some people have got no imagination at all. They're very dull and boring people unfortunately. But Willy Wonka had a fantastic imagination. Well how does that tie in with Isaiah 59 and with the Psalm 40? well it ties in directly because some people imagine they know what God is like and so we say what do you imagine the hand or the arm of God is like and people might say well perhaps and they'd be right it's strong he has a strong hand he has a loving hand he has a patient hand but we've to be very very careful that we don't say things about God that he hasn't revealed to us already which is why the Bible is the rule of our faith and practice Because once we start imagining things about God and we get all emotional and we get, oh, God must be like this and must be like that. No, he's not. But he tells us exactly in Isaiah 59, something very, very important. Behold, says the Lord, my hand is not shortened, but it cannot save. So don't start using your imagination on the kind of people God can and can't save. Because your imagination is entirely futile. Rely on what God has said and be encouraged by what God has said about the whole work of salvation and his strong, patient, loving hand. So all we need to know is in the Holy Scriptures. And all we need to know about the hand of God is taken from Isaiah 59. Behold, says Isaiah... The Lord's hand is not shortened, but it cannot save. He speaks about his ear. He says, nor his ear heavy, but it cannot hear. So let's not imagine what God is like. Let's take what God is like from what God has revealed to us from his own word. So God's hand is not short enough to pull people down. God's hand is not short enough to pull people up. And God's hand is not short enough to pull people from both directions, if you like. So for those who have made a profession of faith who feel they are backsliders, God can pull them back. We have ample examples of that, but we're going to do it in order. Up, down and wide. So, that brings us to one of my favourite films. I've not seen Wonka yet. I like the first version, but I didn't like the second version. But I've not even seen that, so I can't judge it, can I? In the heat of the night, 1967. A town called Sparta. There's no town called Sparta, it was made up name. Okay. And we have an actor called um, Sidney Poitier who plays Virgil Tibbs. He's a police detective. And he ends up having seen his mother stuck because the train is waiting for the train. He's accused of murder. Here is one of the lines he uses when he thinks he knows who's done the murder a man called Endicott who was a local cotton farmer and he says this to uh, Sid- Sidney Plattier says this to Rod Steiger who's a sheriff I'm close, I can pull that fat cat down I can bring him right off his hill and Steiger says you're as bad as the rest of us aren't you? we've all got a chip on our shoulder because you're a black man and you've come to help us down in Mississippi, but you hate white people, don't you? All I'm trying to say is this. We have a certain attitude about rich people. Sometimes we're jealous of them, sometimes we don't like them for who they are, and that's exactly the, the um, relationship we have in this film about Sydney Poitier and uh, Rod Steiger, and the fact he too has a massive chip on his shoulder. What does the Lord Jesus Christ say? And I read this last night because I've taken up Billy's challenge, and so's Mike's brother-in-law. He's reading the Gospel of Mark as well. So we'll be on chapter three tonight. I'll ring him up and check. Mark chapter two seventeen. Let me find it. Speaks volumes about what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks about mankind, never mind if they're rich or poor, black or white, simple or educated. The Lord Jesus Christ says this, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There's no mention there of calling the rich or the poor, We are all sinners, no matter how wealthy we are, no matter how poor we are, no matter the colour of our skin, which school we went to, our social standing, the job we have. The Lord sees us in that category and that category alone. We are sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Which brings us to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is able to reach up and the hand of God is not shortened that it's able to reach up to bring people to himself and some might say to bring people down a peg or two so the Lord Jesus Christ did not say and the Bible does not say that no one who is rich and famous and educated will ever be saved Paul tells us not any but not many yes we will be surprised by all the people in heaven, but they'll all have been saved in the same way. So we have Zacchaeus, the rich man. We have the rich young ruler. He didn't become a Christian. We have the centurion with a hundred at his command, a hundred soldiers. We presume he was well paid and well to do. And we have Nicodemus. We have people like um, Nebuchadnezzar. All these people who were high up, who God brought down, because his hand is not short, but it cannot save, and he can reach up farther than we can imagine to bring people to himself and to bring them down. So we've talked about imagination. We must never imagine anything about God. We must see what God has told us about himself, which is why we read the Bible. We've talked about that quotation about the man with a chip on his shoulder and how we should not prejudge anyone. We are all equal in God's sight. Now we're talking about this German word, and if Margaret was still alive, she'd tell us what it means, Schadenfreude. Pleasure derived from another person's misfortune. So I was driving down Southport Road yesterday in Ormskirk. 2 AA Vanzer. You don't know the end of this story, Janet. Stop smiling. Two AA vans outside a man's house. A broken down, 63 plate Rolls Royce. My word, did I laugh. Rolls Royces don't don't break down, they fail to proceed. So I got some pictures, because this will make a great story on the website. I've emailed the AA press office. They will not tell me, but it's worth a try, just to see what happened. How does a Rolls Royce break down... Why do we laugh when we see someone with a 200,000-pound Rolls-Royce and he stood there, his hands folded, he's very, very annoyed and disappointed and there's people driving past his house. Oh, look at him rolls Rolls-Royce is broken down, ha, ha, ha. It's not very nice, is it, to do that? That's Schadenfreude, where we revel in the misfortune of other people. Christians shouldn't, that was bad of me to do that, but it's, sometimes it's our natural reaction, isn't it? But we can be jealous of those Christians even who've got more than us. We think of Christians with the perfect family. All their children have turned out well. They've made a profession of faith, every single one of them. We think of Christians with great jobs. They've never, ever been unemployed. They've got a great pension, a nice house. They have nice holidays. Well, the Bible talks about people whose lines have fallen in pleasant places. We think about those who are rich and famous and successful. Well, we pray that God will help them to use all that they've got for the Lord's glory and for the good of the church. But how are we to pray for the reach of the gospel to those people who we think are beyond the reach of Christianity? The liberal elite are politicians who look down on us and are now aggressively pursuing Christians and evangelical Christians because they don 't like us? The people in the BBC who sneer at any mention of Christianity are they beyond the reach of the gospel of God? No, they are not. I think we might know the story of uh, Lady Huntingdon and the great witness she was in the society in which she lived. And we should pray for those people because we can claim this promise that God has given us my arm says the Lord is not shortened but it can reach up and bring these people down so let's pray for our King let's pray for those in the media the BBC the ITV Sky News those who wield such inference Let's pray for our politicians. Let's pray that God might bring them down and humble them like it did Nebuchadnezzar. And they too might be saved. Now we're more familiar, aren't we, with the fact that God not only reaches up, but he reaches down and brings people up. And there are many people here perhaps who can say, yes, love lifted me outwardly I was a nice person I had a nice job I'd done well in life but inwardly God knew that my heart was deceitful of all things I was desperately wicked I hated myself at times because I found that I could not beat and take on and deal with my own sinful tendencies God convicted me By nature and by practice far so very far from God, I knew the reality of that. And I can say of a surety that God lifted me out of a horrible pit and from the miry clay. Now, it was rather embarrassing a few weeks ago. I had a beautiful Genesis delivered for a week, and I thought, all right, I know where I'm going. I'm going down to this farm in Orton where they're hoping to build a massive new... I nearly got the car stuck. Talk about miry. Well, it was all pig muck, actually. The car stank when I got home. But anyway, thank goodness for the wonders of four-wheel drive. But if you've ever driven in miry clay or been in quicksand or been in a situation where I think... I'm going faster and faster and going deeper and deeper. We'll know the situation at times when we feel that we're stuck and there's nothing we can do but cry to God to help us. Does God hear the prayer? Yes, he does. And although David was a Christian, when we read from Psalm 40... There are those people who have backslidden, they've made a profession of faith, they've fallen away from God, and God has dealt with them in such a dramatic way. Q. John Beatty, and away backslid from the Lord for many, many a year, and he was brought back. Cue others perhaps who can say, yes, that was my situation. I couldn't mention it to anybody else, but love lifted me because I was one of God's children. And he heard my cry and he pulled me out of a horrible pit and he brought me out of the miry clay and praise to his name. So God can reach up because his arm, his hand is not shortened. God can reach down and save the most amazing people in the most amazing ways. You might know of a man called Mike Hailwood. His wife, Betty, died a few years ago. She was converted after hearing the sermon of the Lord Jesus Christ and the woman caught in adultery. She was contemplating a life as a prostitute in Liverpool Eight, and she heard that sermon and she saw the error of her ways because sex work is seen as glamorous and exciting. She said, no, 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 I was saved from a life of degradation and misery. And I took the Lord Jesus at his word and she became a Christian and she was saved and she was a narrow escape, I really don't know. But that was her testimony anyway. So God reaches up, God reaches down. But God's arms are so wide as well, and we only have to think of stories from the Bible that the Lord Jesus Christ told, the parable of the prodigal son, and others who walked away from God and thought they knew best, and yet the love of God never, ever, ever gave up on them. So we've talked about Willy Wonka, and we must never imagine anything about God, save that God is revealed about himself. We've talked about in the heat of the night and people with a chip on their shoulder and the fact that God sees that we are all equal in his sight. We are all sinners and need the salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ offers and can only accomplish. We've talked about schadenfreude and looking at people and judging people because we think no better than ourselves. And yet again, they are all equal in the sight of God. And so God can bring people down. God can lift people up. God can bring people in. Because Jesus' love is very wonderful. It's so high you can't get over. It's so low you can't get under. It's so wide you can't get round of it. It really is a wonderful love. Now let's think about something from Psalm 40 that David makes an open admission of. Those who are morose Christians. Those Christians who know that they're in a terrible situation. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me. He knew He was talking to the Lord. Here is a Christian talking. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Christians don't always have a big smile on their face. John referred to this a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about the normal Christian life. And we don't always have the joy of the Lord. We always have the fruit of the Spirit But in times, there are those times when we feel that that joy, that light, that spark has left us. We're either feeling sorry for ourselves or we've fallen into sin and God is dealing with us. And we feel as though we're away from God. And because we have the spirit of adoption, we cry to God. We want God to help us. Nobody else can help us. And so we wait, we cry and God answers our prayer not just to put a smile back on our face because real christianity we heard this morning is seen in our love for god and for each other but it's also seen in how we tackle life and all its disappointments and as i said we can't always have a smile on our face there are those times when our faith is severely tested and we have to wait patiently for the lord And we can become morose and sad and wonder, why is this happening to me? But praise God, he inclined to me, he heard my cry, he's brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay. He's done something that I couldn't do, and he set my feet upon a rock. So how great to see family members restored, how great to see families brought back together. How great to see individual Christians who God has brought up and restored and put on the right path. King David is a prime example. We've mentioned the prodigal son, but perhaps we've all had that experience, John Beatty called it, holding on to the Christian faith by our fingertips. And some people might say, Well, that doesn't sound like biblical Christianity. Where does it say that in the Bible? But I think we know what he means, don't we? Holding on with our fingertips, but in reality, underneath of the everlasting arms of God. Oh, love that will not let me go. And God will always honour and bless and help his children. Dare we say no matter how far away they stray from him? Not that we do it deliberately, but there are times when we want to be away and the times when we find we are away. Turn to Psalm 37 and be encouraged by some words from David. If we can't be encouraged from the scriptures, there's nothing else that's going to help us, is there? Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Some Christians are an absolute wonder to other people, aren't they? How do they keep going? They're out of work again, they've been in a car accident. One of their children has gone off the rails. This has happened, that's happened. But they still keep coming to church, into the prayer meeting. They've not got it in for God. They know that God's not got it in for them. They're resolute and faithful. I'm absolutely amazed. How can they keep going? Well, there's the answer to your question. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I want to read a hymn to you, and this will finish. I'm sure it's in our other hymn book, but I knew it better from grace. 724, Augustus' top lady. A sovereign protector I have, unseen yet forever at hand, unchangeably faithful to save, almighty to rule and command. He smiles. And my comforts abound. His grace as a dew shall descend. And walls of salvation surround. The soul he delights to defend. Doesn't that humble you? It does me. Kind author and ground of my hope. Thee, thee for my God I avow. My glad Ebenezer set up. And owned, thou hast helped me till now. I muse on the years that have passed. Wherein my defence thou hast proved, nor wilt thou relinquish at last. Now here's the one I I love, a sinner so signally loved. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Inspirer and hearer of prayer, thou shepherd and guardian of vine, my altar thy covenant cur, I sleeping and waking resign. If thou art my shield and my son, The night is no darkness to me, and fast as my moments roll on, they bring me but nearer to thee. Give me all the modern worship songs and just throw them up and put them in the waste paper bin. Let's rely on the Lord and hymns like this and hymn writers like this. Where the focus is on God and his sovereignty and his love and his grace and his mercy day after day. So that sinners who are signally loved know and understand the great love that God has shown them. He's reached up, he's reached down, he's reached wide. And if we're Christians tonight we can praise his name. But he's done all that because his arm is not shortened but it cannot save He's a wonderful, gracious, almighty God. Praise his name. Amen.